0: Welcome to episode number 341 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts Cheryl Todd and I'm the other
1: guy Dan Todd. Cheryl what's our theme today?
0: Our theme today is political statistical trickery. Absolutely.
1: And our well our guest today is John Lott. John is a world recognized expert on guns and crime and the author of a number of books including the war on guns arming yourself against gun control lies. He is an American economist Who served in the trump administration as senior advisor for research and statistics in the office of justice programs for the u.s department of justice and then the senior advisor for research and statistics in the office of legal policy for the united states department of justice
0: absolutely john is the president of the crime prevention research center the cprc which is a research and education organization dedicated to providing an objective and accurate scientific evaluation of both the costs and benefits of gun ownership, as well as policing activities. John's work gives those of us who are protecting our second amendment rights, a solid foundation of precision focused research. Holy cow. Your bio gets longer with the day Dr. Lott, because you are constantly on the go and doing awesome work. Welcome back to the show.
2: Well, uh, thanks for having me on. It's great to talk to you guys again. Absolutely.
1: I like that term precision focused research. And I know you, John, and that's exactly what it is too. Precision focused. Thank you very much for doing that.
2: Well, I appreciate you being there. Appreciate you appreciating it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm loving your backdrop. And I've got smaller versions of of both of those Uh, and they are awesome works that I encourage everybody to get. And uh, I know I got mine on Amazon, but do you have uh, another place that you would suggest people pick up your works?
2: Well, I mean, people can get it at Barnes and Noble, barnesandnoble.com also, but Amazon is a good place too.
0: Very good. So uh, in addition to writing books, you uh, recently wrote an op-ed in Real Clear Investigations. And the title is, despite what Biden says, guns factor in only a small percentage of all violent crimes. And it says that about 92% of violent crimes in America do not even involve firearms. Could it possibly be that the president is engaged in some political statistical trickery?
2: Well, I, I don't know. It's, he just ignores the fact that overwhelmingly uh, violent crimes don't involve guns.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: virtually no rapes involve guns, for example. Uh, lots of robberies involve knives or other types of uh, weapons that people have. So, you know, I guess my concern was that his sole focus, uh, or virtually sole focus on gun crime as uh, something that he wants to reduce, uh, ignores the fact that people are concerned about violent crime generally increasing. And uh, you know there are some obvious reasons why violent crime has increased over the last year. Uh, and if you want to go and try to deal with that, there are some obvious things that you have to do in terms of, uh, law enforcement, but his focus only on gun crimes. Uh, I mean, I don't even think that the types of things that he's proposing are going to be particularly useful for stopping gun crime. I think some of them will be counterproductive in fact, but, uh, you know, uh, he's missing, he's missing, uh, all the ice uh, under the waterline, so to speak, for the iceberg when uh, he's focusing only on guns.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, when federal laws get passed, it's this blanket that falls over the entire nation. And another article that I found on your website was saying that 50% of murders take place in only 2% of the counties. In our entire nation it was a very interesting visual to see the map and see where where the the crime and even the if you want to call it gun crime occurs and it really does feel very manufactured for us to be you know the, all of our information to be funneled and focused on something that doesn't necessarily impact the individual lives of all of the people that any new federal laws would impact?
2: Well, I mean, uh, murders are very geographically concentrated in the United States compared to other countries. Uh, As you say, over half the murders occur in 2% of the counties. Uh, You know, those 2% of the counties represent about a quarter of the population, but over half the murders. and if you ever look at what's called a murder map for those uh, for those counties, you'll see that almost two-thirds of the murders in those counties take place in about 10 block areas. So uh, and it's largely gang crime, drug gang related crime. Uh, and that's, if you're going to go and have a big impact on murders in the United States, that's where you're going to have to concentrate. You have over 70% of the counties in the United States have either zero murders or one murder uh, over the course of a year. And uh, so you're right, it's, for murders, it's not something that touches the vast majority of Americans. It's different for other types of violent crimes like rape and robbery and aggravated assaults. Those are much more evenly distributed across the, the entire country.
1: So, John, I'm going to take a guess here. So, the the counties that have the most concentrated murders are probably really heavily gun-related, uh, regulated counties, too, right?
2: Yeah, they tend to be heavily democratic areas. Uh, they tend to be in relatively heavily democratic states, but but in particular, it's those counties that are the most heavily democratic. So, I mean, you may have uh, you know, I'm sure most people can name uh, the places. You know, Philadelphia or Chicago or DC or you know, but it's it's within. Uh, you know, here's the irony: is that the places that tend to have no murders
1: mm-hmm.
2: tend to have relatively high gun ownership rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't put a lot of weight on purely cross-sectional comparisons because. There are lots of other things that vary. You know, there are reasons why you're going to have higher murder rates in more urban areas than in rural areas. Uh, but it, you know, given how much the standard media discussion focuses on rural and urban areas, uh, you know, it's—I mean, uh, you know—it's just something that's hard not to notice.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we are supposed to, uh, according to our founding fathers, you know, the ones that fought, bled, starved, and died to have the opportunity to write this document, um, we are supposed to have a representative government. And so when you look at that and you say, well, if there's this huge push under this current administration to go against gun owners, to, to make gun laws more stringent, more complicated, then surely if it's a representative government, there's gotta be a ton of people in this nation who that's kind of a top of mind issue for them. Yet, I again, I found on your website a Gallup poll that shows that only 1% of Americans even mentioned guns or gun control as being an important problem facing the country and only four percent even mentioned crime.
2: Right. Um, well, that's that yeah. For the most something. important, uh, if you're asked what's the most important problem, you know, it's only one percent say that uh, gun control is the most important issue that's out there. Uh, one thing that's interesting, if you look at other surveys, even from uh, uh, NORC, which tends to be very pro-gun control uh, group. Uh, they say, if, "What's the top five most important problems?" And in that case, uh, guns get into the you know five percent level. Uh, who say it's one of the top five problems that we're facing? So, you know, it's uh, it's interesting just to hear the rhetoric that's out there. Um, and again, look, I mean, I think the thing with uh, Biden. Uh, He's just trying to find many different ways to make it costly for people to be able to go and have guns. So for example, Mm -hmm. one thing that probably most people didn't notice is uh, they recently uh, banned the importation of ammunition from certain places. Mm -hmm. Anybody who has tried to buy guns recently or ammunition, my suspicion is they realize how expensive those things have gotten. There's been a huge increase in demand as violent crime rates have gone up, uh, people have tried to get more guns. And uh, you know it's not too surprising that they've also tried to go and buy more ammunition at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go and you make it so some of the sources of ammunition are going to dry up. You're going to make it even more costly for people mm-hmm. to go and buy ammunition. But this is a common theme in all the different types of things that Biden's pushing. Uh, whether it be the background checks on private transfers of guns. Uh, you know, In Washington, DC, it costs $125 to privately transfer a gun just to do the background wow. check on it. Um, you know, that may not stop you or I from being able to go and get a gun, but the very people that my research indicates who benefit the most, the people mm-hmm. who are most likely victims of violent crime who benefit from having a gun for protection, poor blacks, who live in those areas, $125 may make the difference between whether or not they're legally able to go and obtain a gun or not. You know, if you want to uh, have background checks, if you think that they're really beneficial and reduce crime, uh, there are a couple points to make on that. One is, presumably you want to encourage people to go out of their way to go and do the background checks. It's not really obvious to me how making people essentially have to pay what's the equivalent of a $125 tax on doing that encourages them uh, to go out and do the background checks. The other thing is if you think that these background checks reduce crime then they reduce it for everybody, not just the law abiding individual who's going out of their way to go and obey the rules that are there. And as an economist, I would say if everybody benefits Everybody should pay. The people who benefit should be the ones who pay for it. And so, for both of those reasons, uh, it seems like you should pay for it out of general revenue. If you want to encourage people to do it, don't make them have to bear the entire freight mm-hmm. of having to do this thing that's supposedly benefiting other people. Uh, you know, I'm skeptical that these background checks really reduce crime. I'm very skeptical of that. But if you believe that, then it seems strange that they want to set up the fee schedule the way that they have. And um, you know. so, uh, but it's just, whether it's the liability rules that they're trying to change for gun makers, whether it be things like the zero tolerance policy uh, that the ATF is gonna be enfor- enforcing where uh, if you make any mistake uh, no matter how trivial, uh, you're going to be out of business. I mean, you guys sell guns, right?
0: Mm-hmm. right. Absolutely.
2: So, uh, you know, I don't know how many guns you've sold over the last 10 years. You have a guess how many?
1: Well, so, I'd say last year. last year <laughs> we probably sold 8,000 guns.
2: Okay. So over 10 years, let's say you've sold 80,000 guns, okay, or 50,000, something like that do you think that you may have made a paperwork mistakes, a trivial paperwork mistake someplace on one of those forms that were filled out?
1: Well, you know, I can one tell of places
2: you. Where the, you know, the county box, uh, somebody wrote in the city accidentally for it or something like that.
1: Because I can guarantee you that we have done that and we've been cited for it. And yeah, well, now the
2: difference is, now the difference is, uh, at least if the rhetoric is gonna be held up, uh, they're saying they're gonna put you out of business. Biden right. goes and talks about you know, rogue gun dealers, uh, you know, conjuring up images of people selling guns out of the back of their store to criminals. But you know, this zero tolerance policy has nothing to do with it. We're talking about right. trivial, inconsequential mistakes They're going to be used to put you out of business. So, you know, could you just handling the paperwork, just the additional costs for you having to do that are going to make it more costly, more difficult for you to do business. And, you know, I hope no ATF agent was listening to Dan's comment a minute ago saying that he guarantees that you guys have made some paperwork mistake like that because, you know, they're, they're going to come and get you. And, uh, and put you out of business. I mean, if what? Biden's claim that they're really going to have a zero tolerance policy now for these types of mistakes, mm-hmm. they're just okay. going to drive a lot of the gun dealers out of business, making it more difficult, more costly for people to be able to go and buy guns. And they're, you know, they go and they talk about, um, Biden will talk multiple times about, of the gun dealers, uh, you know, sell 90% of the guns that end up in crime. My guess is, and maybe you guys have the exact numbers, I'd love to get these, uh, but I've heard that 5% of the dealers end up selling more than 90% of the guns that are there. Mm. Uh, You know, why then should you be surprised that 5% of the dealers make up 90% of the guns that are going to be any abused in crime. Mm
1: -hmm. So it's,
2: you know, it's just uh, it's kind of nonsensical, but the common theme for all this stuff is just to make it costly and difficult Mm -hmm. for people to be able to go and own guns.
0: Absolutely. And it's becoming more and more of a class issue uh, based on a Rasmussen poll that uh, again, I found on your website, which is a amazing resource for people um, for all of these kinds of things that apparently affluent people are totally fine with more laws, more of these hidden taxes in, in transfer fees and background check fees. uh, And that the, the poorer communities, the ones that, you know, really are the ones out there you know, maybe not living in the greatest neighborhoods, maybe having to drive through some, some dangerous areas. afford
2: all these costs. Right, working the night shift. All these costs.
0: Absolutely. And they're saying, no, 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 no more burdens on us. And uh, it really is becoming a, well, a class th- issue.
1: They've been talking about how uh, having an ID is costly to, to poor people. Uh, you know, a 5 or $10 ID is costly. And then they're turning around, They're charging $125 for somebody who wants to protect their own life or their family.
2: Well, you know, just to give you an idea, in many of these places that have these background checks on private transfers of guns, you know, D.C., California, other places, they have the background check on each gun. So let's say Dan and I lived in California or Dan and I lived in, uh, in Washington, D.C., and I'm going to go and give him four guns. I mean, I guess it'd be more likely that he'd give me four guns. But in any case, uh, you know, if if I'm going to give him four guns, um, you would think it's just one person giving one other person uh, the gun. So it should just be one background check because only one person's receiving them.
1: Right. But no,
2: they require a separate background check on each gun. So rather than the $125 cost, you're talking about a $500 cost. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah, you know, I want somebody to explain to me the why that's a reasonable thing. You look at those types of rules and it's pretty clear that the whole point of those rules is just to make it as costly as possible for people to be able to go and obtain guns. It's nothing to do with, you know, tra- safety that's involved having that additional cost that's
1: there. Yeah, in Arizona, we don't have those kind of expenses. And we still have customers that come in the store and say, I want to sell this gun to this person who's beside him. I don't know him. I would rather we do a background check just for my own personal reasons. But if they charge $125, they may say, i'm not going to do that
0: right and it's a voluntarily done thing when the government steps in and says you have to do that that's where i absolutely put my foot down as as a individual citizen of this nation especially when i've heard you speak several times on how fallible the background system really is
1: well can i say something about that i'd have to use all my fingers and all my toes and i still couldn't count how many times background checks they came through clear. And then a couple of days later, the ATF come to my door and saying, where's this guy at? He bought a gun illegal. That John hit the background says check was the wasn't other accurate.
0: thing happens more often that you're denied your rights. Yeah, you're ahead, also John. denied too. Yes.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, sure. You know, uh, uh, During the different administrations, during Clinton administration, Republicans attacked him for not enforcing the gun control laws. When Bush was president, Democrats attacked him for not enforcing the gun control laws. When Obama was president, Republicans attacked him. But the thing is, you know, the number one piece of evidence that they're not enforcing the laws is they say, look, you have millions of people uh, that have been denied being able to go and purchase a gun. And yet we only have very tiny numbers of prosecutions involved. Uh, In 2017, for example, there were 112,000 uh denials that were there um and uh there were 12 prosecutions that had occurred federally you had a small number of state prosecutions but they were also very small and you know the thing is these are very easy prosecutions you know if you go fill out the 4473 and uh, you know you provide your government issued photo id
1: uh mm-hmm.
2: and um you know you write down there that you're not a felon okay uh and you sign at the bottom uh it's very clear you're signing under the threat of perjury uh that everything that you've just stated is true uh what's your defense going to be if if i forgot that i was in jail for five years and prison for five years (laughs) i couldn't remember that uh and even if you forgot that's not a defense um and so all the prosecutor has to show is look the guy signed this form we know it's him uh because he provided the id maybe they even you know bring dan in uh in order to testify that in fact the guy was the guy who he looked at his id for and uh uh and yet you know he was a felon and and he was prohibited and he claimed that he wasn't a felon so that's three years in prison, right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the simplest crime to be able to go and prove. Uh, and so, you know, you you look at these and you say, well, how, how can there only be uh, you know twelve prosecutions uh, with one hundred twelve thousand initial denials? And the explanation is pretty simple: is that they're not real cases, the vast majority of them. Uh, there's some other reasons why they dropped the cases. But you know, you go, there are five stages of review when the, you do these background checks and they're denied. The first stage is the national ATF office uh, essentially just does a paperwork check. It's no lawyers involved in the process, just checking, make sure the paperwork lines up. But 94% of the cases are dropped at that stage. Uh, The second stage is they send out the paperwork to the field offices for the ATF. Uh, Another 2% of the cases are dropped at that stage. Again, no lawyers involved, uh, overwhelmingly just checking for paperwork mistakes that are there. So you have 96% of the cases that are dropped in just the first two stages of review. The, The other stages are kind of a black box, but we see, how few cases are even referred for prosecution and how few they actually go ahead with prosecutions on. I mean, there are other reasons why they may drop them. They may say, well, it's a particularly old crime that that person was convicted of, but I've seen them go after people whose crimes were 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, criminals may be stupid But they're not so stupid that they go through and try to do a background check when they know that they're prohibited from doing it. The type of people that you catch are people who just didn't realize that they were prohibited. I've seen cases like one case, uh, a man who was uh, 63, Uh, his wife uh, had been getting threats at work and she was gonna get a concealed handgun permit so as a present, he decided to go out and try to buy her a handgun. Uh, well, it turns out uh, that 40 years earlier, he had gotten into a fist fight with his brother in their front yard. The neighbors had called the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, the police had come and arrested them and that both he and his brother had pleaded guilty to misdemeanor mm-hmm. domestic violence, which is oh a prohibited offense. And, um, you know, He claims that he didn't realize that that was a prohibited offense. Uh, The federal prosecutor said, look, it's really clear. It spells it out that uh, misdemeanor domestic violence is a prohibited offense. You pleaded guilty to this. You signed the form stating that everything here was exactly right. And he was convicted of perjury and sentenced to jail for three years.
0: Wow. So,
2: Now, you know, does anybody believe that the guy was really a danger, that he was some big time criminal that they caught? But those are the types of people I believe that you pretty much catch all the time uh, when you're dealing with this.
1: Well, we've had several people ask, hey, you know, I did this thing back when I was a kid. And we say, well, check with an attorney or check, you know, somewhere, but not to fill out the form until you know, for a fact, because that is perjury. But then you have others that just think that they can skip by, that, you know, they'll come when Nix is real busy, when there's a lot of gun activity, and they'll try to slip in the crack. And we've seen people slip through the crack, and then the ATF deal with some of them later. And every case, and I could say there's quite a few, every case, they told the person to bring the gun back to the store, or they would be arrested, and nothing else was done.
2: Okay, well, here, here's the deal. I'm not even sure those were real cases.
1: Hmm. You know,
2: just because the ATF comes to you and tells hmm. you, I, my guess is a lot of those are mistakes.
1: Hmm. You know,
2: they, so like you see the numbers broken down uh, that the justice department puts out and they say, number of, of people who are felons, who we stopped from buying guns. And they'll say, you know, it's like 80% or so of those. The thing is, I know that those weren't real felons. It's just that somebody who had a name similar to somebody who was a felon tried to go and buy the gun. That's the reason why they didn't prosecute it. So my guess is the types of cases that you're talking about are cases just like that, that it wasn't that the person was slipping through. I assume you didn't go and talk to the individual later on very much in detail about these things They
1: just brought the guns back and there's no questions asked, you know, we give them their money back and.
2: Right, so, but here, my guess is, look, I've talked to people like Reagan Dunn, who is the first person who headed up Operation uh, or Project Safe Neighborhood and stuff. And, you know, they say, look, there's a reason why we're not prosecuting their, these cases because after we've gone through and done all the paperwork checks and things like that, they fall out. Mm-hmm. I mean, the types of checks, the review process I'm talking about aren't done within two days. Mm-hmm. These are processes that go on over many months that are there. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, you know, you go and you talk to lawyers that handle these cases, you know, somebody who they're improperly deny. Uh, they can go and challenge it. The problem is, is that most people who challenge it are going to find it necessary to go and hire a lawyer. Just the right. paperwork right. involved in trying to prove that you're not somebody who the government thinks that you might right.
0: be. Uh,
2: and the costs for doing that, you're talking about starting costs around $3,000 or so. I've talked to lawyers who have told me some cases that they've handled have been 10,000. So you right. may want to have a gun, okay? Uh, But is it really worth $3,000 for you to go and appeal? There are a number of cases where people start the appeal and just say, you know, this is getting crazy in terms of the legal costs that are here and they drop it along the lines. But the thing is, uh, you overwhelmingly, the error rate for black males uh, from data that I saw when I was at the Department of Justice is about three times their share of the population for Hispanic males, the error rate is about two and a half times their share of the population. And you know, uh, when you're talking about you know $3,000 fees to fix something that is in no way their mistake, you may have a lot of poor and even middle, and maybe even upper middle income class individuals who just say, "Look, you know, it's just not worth it for me." To go and fix this mistake that the government made. I'm just gonna just gonna let it go. Wow.
0: So I'm sitting here feeling a level of frustration because you had just said that the Biden administration wants a zero tolerance that when they come and they audit our our books as a, a FFL, a federal firearms licensee right. gun store. Zero tolerance. They can put us out of business for you know the county be- being written wrong. But yet the ATF, the FBI check, this Nix check, they can have all of these mistakes. And who does it cost? It costs, again, the individual. It doesn't cost the ATF anything to make mistakes. Right. This is a huge imbalance. And right. this is an unelected body. And it, th- things are not as they should be. And this right. is such a, a glaring example of it.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I couldn't have phrased it better than you just phrased it. And, uh, you know, and the thing is, who is it stopping from being able to go and buy guns? And I would argue it's disproportionately stopping the most vulnerable people in our country. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And the thing
2: is, uh, it's a simple thing to fix. You know gun control advocates talk about that they just want reasonable gun control laws uh well i'm suggesting reasonable fixes to their gun control laws and they will fight you tooth and nail against those reasonable fixes so if private companies i don't know if you do background checks on your employees Mm -hmm. at your store Mm -hmm. uh But if you were to have an error rate that was 100, the error rate that the federal government has, you'd be sued out of existence. If you, would you go and use roughly phonetically similar names to do back and similar birthdays to do background checks on your employees? I assume not, right? I mean, if I suggested that you do that, you'd probably look at me like I was nuts, I would assume. (laughs) Uh, But yet, you know, the federal government does that. my suggestion over the years has been simply require that the federal government has to meet the same standards for doing background checks that private companies have to meet. I mean, what's the argument against that? Uh, uh, back when the Fix Nix bill came up, I tried uh, to get uh, some U.S. senators, uh, Ted Cruz's office, for example, to go and uh, push. Uh, for that requirement. And my understanding is that when they were doing negotiations over that with the Democrats, the Democrats said that that would be a poison pill to go and include that the federal government, you know, let's say I'm wrong on everything. What Still, what's the argument? Why not have the federal government have to meet the same standards for doing background checks that private companies have to meet? Right. Uh, if it's good enough standard. to require that private companies have to meet that, why not for uh, the employees? I mean, why not for the government? But uh, so my, I've come to the conclusion over time that rather than an error in the system, I think gun control people actually like the fact that it's costly to go through the background checks. Mm-hmm. I think they like the fact that there are these errors there because mm-hmm. they're all accomplishing their ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as these other things that we've talked about, whether it be the zero tolerance policy, or whether it's be, uh, you know, the fees or whatever that's there, uh, their goal is just to make it as difficult and costly as possible for Americans to be able to go and add guns. And there's like no limit uh, to the number of uh, different costs that they're desiring to impose.
1: Absolutely. That no tolerance thing scares the heck out of me because I remember, and I What's was young, so I, I was Gee. young, So I don't remember quite, but there was a deal. They pushed that five years mandatory sentence. If you use a gun in a crime, if you use a gun in a felony, it's five year maximum minimum sentence. Mm -hmm. And so then uh, I think there was a story where a guy was felony speeding. He was going over the speed limit, which in Arizona, I think is 90 miles an hour in a in a 70 is technically felony speeding. If you had a gun in your car, you could have got five years for that. It depending on the judge mm-hmm. to decide how far to enforce that law. Mandatory stuff is really scary. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I mean, there's zero tolerance. Uh, as I say, any mistake, no matter how trivial, no matter how inconsequential to, you know, criminals getting guns, uh, even if it's not even involving a criminal getting a gun in, in any remote sense of the word, mm-hmm. uh, would put you out of business, would make you lose your license and, You know it's just uh mindless stuff you know just they wrap it up in words about rogue gun dealers and Mm -hmm. uh you know it um uh you know it's
0: it's ridiculous is what it is yeah
1: there is on the cprc website there are a number of mentions of censorship that you're experiencing what are those censorships
2: well, I mean, we've run into social media censorship uh, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, both my Twitter account and the CPRC's Twitter account were blocked by Twitter because uh, we had pointed out that the New Zealand um, mass public shooter, uh, the mosque shooter there uh, was a left-wing environmentalist uh, nuts job. Uh, everybody wanted to go and claim that he was a right winger. Uh, we linked, or I initially linked to, uh, an article that we had posted that quoted some parts of his manifesto. I mean, he was an environmentalist and he hated minorities because he believed that minorities tended to have more children and that having more children was bad for the environment. Mm. So he wanted to stop minorities. Mm. Um, And, uh, and so uh, I wrote an article in New York Newsday, which is not exactly a left wing, I mean, right wing publication. And, uh, and then I tweeted out that article from the CPRC, uh, Twitter account, and Twitter locked that account then. Uh, And, uh, you know, I tried to point out to Twitter, I said, Look, other people have tweeted out uh, the New York Daily News piece. Even the New York Daily News has tweeted out the piece. Uh, you haven't locked any of those accounts. Uh, you haven't locked any of the accounts for people who uh claiming that the New Zealand killer was uh, a right winger. Uh, you haven't uh, locked any of the accounts where people have selectively quoted a few parts of the manifesto uh, for the New Zealand killer. Um, but they seem to be particularly upset about my argument, pointing out that the guy was an environmentalist. The guy's ideal form of government was communist China. Uh, he hated companies. He wanted companies abolished. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Maybe you know a lot of right wingers that think we should live <laughs> under communist Chinese government. None come to I don't mind. Know too many. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so. Um, Uh, or that uh, we think we ought to kill minorities because they have too many kids. Uh, But in any case, uh, so anyway, recently I was involved in a little bit of a debate on Twitter where somebody was citing Newsweek as a source for saying that the New Zealand killer and uh, uh, the El Paso Walmart shooter uh, were both uh, right-wing white supremacists. And I tried to point out that, uh, well, uh, they were environmentalists, white supremacists uh, that were there. You know Why not call them environmentalists? Because the uh, El Paso murder uh, cited the New Zealand killer as having the exact same views that he had. Mm-hmm. And if you read the uh, El Paso shooters uh, you know, manifesto or write up Uh, It was pretty obvious that he was the same views on everything. Um, And so, uh, uh, but Twitter wouldn't let me post that. So, and uh, they let people post the link to Newsweek, uh, but they wouldn't let me post the link to the New York Daily News article. Um, So, you know, in that case, it seems like they have algorithms or something that instantly check the type of stuff that you're trying to put up. Uh, so you know, it has, a, I assume it has an impact on people's views. People wouldn't be going and making claims that these guys are right wingers. Um, mm. if uh, the news media was able to be somewhat balanced on this stuff. But anyway, that's enough on
1: that. But it's yeah, uh, frustrating. It's terrible. I mean, there's so much fake stuff going on in Twitter right now that they let go through.
0: Right The only fact fact checking going on seems to be on the gun side. Yeah, or on the conservative yeah. side. but anyway, so uh, we'll start wrapping up now, but over your career, you have had many impressive accomplishments. And uh, certainly, as we're just now saying, even with something this simple as just trying to share somebody else's news story, right, it has not been an easy road uh, going against some of the negative pushback, especially from some of the Bloomberg financed gun control propaganda machine out there. But what would you say is one of your most impactful and proud moments?
2: Oh, I don't know. I not even try to guess. <laughs> so, just try to do what you can. But I appreciate you yeah. asking.
0: Well, so. you're just your humility, I think speaks for itself. And
1: I think all of them, everything he's done has been, you know, just really good, good stuff.
0: It really has. I mean, being asked, uh, to join, uh, you know, uh, administration, any presidential administration. Um, but especially I think the one that, that most recently was moving, seemed to be moving America a little bit closer to what our founders had, um, idealized for our nation that that must have been especially No, no it was um,
2: nice. i mean i wish i'd been able to be there longer than i was but uh, yeah well i appreciate your time
0: absolutely thank you
2: very much for having me on
0: absolutely uh, so john tell folks how they can follow the work that you're doing
2: well uh, they can go to our website that you've cited many times mm-hmm. during this discussion uh crime prevention research center it's at crimeresearch.org crimeresearch.org.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for all that you do and uh, continue to do. And we look forward to having you on again.
2: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Thanks, John. John. Bye-bye.
1: The guy, you know what? If he tells me something, I believe him. Because he won't tell you anything until he has researched it and knows what he's talking about true and so sometimes it's difficult because it's it's like true do you well no dan you kind of you know do you
0: yeah do you remember uh he came to asu i believe it was arizona state university and had and you have to use the word debate in air quotes Mm -hmm. had a debate with a local politician I have to call him a politician because he's not a public servant. Mm-hmm. He's not acting as a representative of, of his constituency. About uh, you know why more gun laws are important, and uh, you know, Doctor Lot, he comes with you know uh, PowerPoint presentations. He's got charts, just the facts, and, ma'am, just gra- the facts. Yes, charts and graphs, and you know, he's got all of this information. And he says, well, here is the information. You can pretty much draw your own conclusion. Um, you know, I can help help you to understand what these graphs are saying, but the conclusion to be drawn is yours basically, right? But it was it was pretty clear that uh, as one of his books is called, more guns does tend to equal less crime and that there is a war on guns and that there are lots of gun control myths out there. So the person that Dr. Lott was debating, here's how he starts his sentence. Well, I looked up on Google last night, and, and I have no idea what the rest of his sentence was, because I, I just sat there with my mouth open thinking,
1: Looked up on Google. That's, yeah,
0: this is the level of your research. This is the level of your dedication to really ruining other people's lives.
1: To... You know what? Hmm. Google does research on jo- uh, Dr. Lott. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the other way around. <laughs> I
0: like it. I like when it. Google
1: needs information, they go to him.
0: I like it. They and, don't use it all. And but... so this is somebody who is willing to write legislation that this other person that, that Dr. Lott was debating Write legislation, back legislation, pass legislation that is going to impact the individual lives of Mm -hmm. his constituents. And he says, I Googled last night. It's based on a Google the night before. The night before. Absolutely unconscionable, unacceptable. And too often we allow that. We keep voting these people in, we keep letting them do these things. And, and, and we just shrug it off. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter until it really does matter. And I think we're at that moment with this particular administration and all that they would like to do to trample the second amendment, including the nomination of this David Chipman guy to the head of the ATF, who is clearly a partisan person, clearly um, not interested in upholding any oath that he might end up taking to protect and preserve our constitution Well, no, he's not gonna be taking rights. it okay he's what
1: he's not gonna be taking the oath
0: well he probably did in one of his other jobs but yeah, 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 yeah i uh, i hope he doesn't get please, this particular one please no i'm sorry
1: they, anyway. i heard they got they're hiring at arby's <laughs> okay <laughs> there that's you great. might be able to do okay
0: that's great why don't we pick a restaurant that well arby's is okay yeah arby's is good but they'd hire him yeah. As long as kept we'll mouth shut. all right we got to get out of here all right um thank Thanks, you john lott. so much to dr john lott he's amazing all the work that he does uh is amazing uh be sure to go to his website the cprc crime prevention research center dot org. i'm sure it's an org uh and thank you so much to all of our listeners all over the planet people who are hungry for the information that our subject matter experts uh, provide us with. Um, Thank you so much for that hunger.
1: I think we we probably have more research tools in our website of all the people that we interviewed than all of Google as far as accurate information.
0: That's an interesting thought. Yeah. So I don't instead of disagree Google, with you. We've just had go
1: gun freedom radio and check it out.
0: We've had some amazing yes. subject matter experts um, who have trusted us with their time. And you trust us. Our listeners trust us with, with their time. And we so appreciate you. Thank you so much.
1: So maybe Google's going to come to us to, to get information.
0: Probably maybe we should fact check Google. Yeah. Right. We'll have our fact checkers get on Google. All right.
1: Oh, we'd find some information that's not quite oh, yeah thanks. that and Facebook. Well, Facebook's pretty accurate if you're living <laughs> in a fantasy, right?
0: I don't even want to go there.
1: Let's or, don't. Let's just pray for our nation.
0: Yeah. I like
1: it. Pray for our leaders. Yeah. And pray that John Law can, you know, fight through the people that argue with him and
0: Oh, he, he show logic. Does. I mean, he does. He's he's awesome. He, he is beautifully. Oh, and I also forgot to say, if you like watching oh, our shows, video version, we do. Uh, please be sure to check out our YouTube channel, uh, and GunStreamer. GunStreamer is sort of the freedom-friendly uh, version of YouTube. Please subscribe and with your pinky up, press the notifications button. Right. Everybody else says smash that button. And I'm saying, you know, with the pinky up, do that. And also uh, on the OpsLens smartphone app, our show appears on there. And if you like watching, I mean, listening, strictly listening to the audio, because maybe you're, you know, doing, doing work. You're at the gym, you're working out, whatever. Yeah. The gym. Hmm? Where the gym, the gym, there is such a Did place. Have the snack bar there? I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get there uh, more the often. Bar? at least once. Yeah. Yeah. The snack bar. Yeah. And uh, anyway, if you like listening to the audio only version, please go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the on demand tab and binge, listen to your heart's content. Again, we mentioned the guest tab that has all of our guests that we've ever had on there. It's a tremendous resource. We do not hate it when you spend time there. All right. I hope you guys really are taking up our weekly challenge to engage in prayer for our nation and the people who are doing what they can to make it ever better, ever stronger. All right. Until next time. Have a great week. Be good to each other. And God bless.